Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Everyday Lions podcast. I'm your host, Brian Lyons. On Sunday, just gone, was the Ross Running Festival. It was such an awesome vibe there. Uh, so many f- smiling faces, and you could tell that people were really enjoying the event. I think, as runners, we've been dying to have an event like that. And yeah, it was just awesome. Personally, Everyday Lions had a number of runners competing, about 19 runners. We had four personal bests, and on an individual note, we had Amy Bramage finish second in the half marathon, which was great. I'd like to congratulate Tracy Canham and her team on such a great event. If you'd like uh, to see what this event was like, I've actually made a race video and this is on my Facebook page so if you'd like to check that out it's also on the Ross Running Festival Facebook page as well. My group had some 600s on Monday. Most of my runners were recovering from Ross so these 600s were not run at full pace just at a comfortable pace to recover. On Tuesday my Olston group had some hills. We trained in a new area at Reed Street Reserve. I'd never actually been here, but it was a beautiful gradient for a hill. We just started on the road and then went into the reserve. Uh, It was just really nice. I think all the runners enjoyed that. If you'd like to be part of the Everyday Lions group training, which is on Monday and a Thursday in Devonport, and in Olverston on Tuesday, this is just $10 a week, $40 a month. Uh, We've got a number of runners now. Just a really beautiful, vibe and everyone is so supportive and I feel very grateful that um, it's starting to flourish now. So if you want to know more information about that, just head over to my website www.everydaylines.org. Personally, I'm four weeks into my comeback from running. It's still a bit of a grind, but it is a lot easier than it was uh, three or four weeks ago. I've lost about four kilograms. I'm still about 14 kilograms over race weight. Ideally, it'd be great to lose a bit more weight, but I'm enjoying the sport uh, for what it is and just hanging with some mates and enjoying my running again, which is uh, fine. I've actually got a goal. I'm gonna do the Launceston Running Festival five kilometer event, which will be great and something to look forward to. And don't forget the park run all across Tasmania is back up and running. Uh, events are between 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock. Uh, it's just going to be awesome. I can't wait to see some familiar faces again, have a bit of a coffee afterwards. We've actually got a bit of a pamphlet drop plan, so I'll be dropping pamphlets everywhere, advertising everyday lines. So that'll be a bit of fun and hopefully I can pick up a few pints in the meantime as well. Uh, Good luck to all those runners competing in the virtual event for the Bernie 10. Uh, But I guess the best thing about this is you can either do it on a Saturday and Sunday and you can do it in any location. If you're having a crack at that, good luck and enjoy the most of it. I'll be out there Sunday having a bit of a well, not a crack. Uh, I'll be doing, going for a social run, but uh, I've got an entry in for that as well, and, and it'd be good uh, to do that and get a medal in the um, in the meantime as well. Also, don't forget that Everyday Lines has plenty of visors for sale at the moment. These are only $25, so if you are interested, please head over and buy one of them. The only colours I've got left are white. So yeah, we're coming to summer. Who wouldn't want a visor to go along with your everyday line singlet? Okay, to this week's guest. This week's guest is Grant Page. I've known Grant for a number of years, probably 20 years. Grant is from Hobart. Uh, When Grant is not running, he is a mechanic for the RACT. He's been doing that for a number of years. Grant posts some really impressive personal bests. He's run 50 seconds for 400 metres, 149 for 800 metres, 3.42 for 1500, 8.10 for 3K, and 29.40 for the 10K. Uh, He was one of Australia's best 1500 metre runners in Australia. 
He's finished third in the Bernie 10. He's won the Civic Casino a record eight times. Grant is just a ripper bloke. Uh, he's got uh, an amazing amount of knowledge about running, and this is evident in the conversation that we have over this next hour. Uh, I just really appreciated Grant's time. If you did enjoy this podcast, please reach out to Grant. I'm your host, Brian Lyons. This is the Everyday Lyons podcast. Happy running, and here's Grant. Welcome to the Everyday Lions podcast. I'm your host, Brian Lyons. Today's guest is Grant Page. Grant has been in the running community a long time and he's won the City to Casino 10 times. He's been a eight, nationally- eight, eight times, times. Eight times. Yeah. Oh. And he's been a nationally ranked distance runner over the 1500 metres. And he's a great bloke. Are you there, Grant? I am here. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Pleasure to be here. That's good, mate. And how has your day been? Oh, pretty quiet. Uh, got out for a bit of a cycle today. Had, had a day off running and got on the bike. Uh, clocked up 45 k's or so. Apart from that, pretty pretty cruisy. No working today. So, yeah. Yeah. Good and day. Is a bike something that you've done recently? Were you always doing the bike running? Or is that something that you've taken up since getting injury or... Yeah, good question. Um, no, I've taken it up just in the last few years, actually, and, and that was the reason, just through running injuries. Um, it just became a bit too much to be running on my legs every day. But as, as you know, you know, just stay in good form. You do, you do need to do some kind of uh, training every day. So I just adapted the bike as a cross trainer. Um, been a great success, actually. I, I love getting out on the bike. And after a while, you, you, you do find ways of making the bike a useful training tool, um, you know, at first it was pretty much just cardio stuff, but then you, you certainly work out how to do workouts and whatnot on the bike and actually adapt your running sessions. So, um, yeah, it's a great little tool when you're used to it. Right, great. Uh, how many cars are you getting up on the bike when you do go? Uh, yeah, look, it varies week to week. Um, I still uh, Running's still my priority, so I'll try and do as much running as I can, but you still know those weeks where you've got some soreness um, or whatnot. I'm probably doing... 100 a week on the bike um on average some sometimes more sometimes less but as an average i'd say 100 great great and you mentioned that the uh, running is still the priority how did you actually get into the running yeah uh so at a very young age uh, i was six years old um and my sister my elder sister actually started doing little athletics and i was just dragged along um took it up from there uh, I, I didn't really love it at first. It was something I was just just doing. Um, but then we got to sort of under tens, and I think we started running eight hundreds then. And I, and I really did like distance running, and just went from there. Never looked back from there. Great. So you so uh, started. Yeah. So you were more of a natural over the longer stuff. You didn't like the sprinting. Yeah. No. Uh, and look, it was probably based on success. Yeah. Like I was, just, you know, you just finish mid to the back of the field in a sprint race. Um, field events weren't my specialty, but yeah, and then I was, you know, I was placing in, in distance races. So yeah, definitely a natural at it. I would, yeah. I'd have to say anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And did you get a coach early on or did you just do little A's? What, what? Yeah, no, I, I did have a coach in little A's and it was actually my sister's coach. His name was Gary Exel. Um, and he was, he was basically a distance coach for um, Claremont Little Athletics, where the, the club that I participated with. Um, I spent a few years with him and then he sort of retired from it. Um, and then I was about 13 then, um, when I found my, well, still kind of my current coach, Pacey, Mike Pace. Um, I've been with him since I was 13 years old, so 25 years. Yeah. yeah great. And is that 25 years gone quickly or is it? Oh, in hindsight, I think so. Um, uh, oh, hard to say really. No probably feels like 25 years <laughs> yeah <laughs> and what does that relationship with Pacey mean to you oh look it's, it, it is absolutely gold um like not only has Pacey been my coach but he's, he's also one of my best mates you know if I was getting married tomorrow Pacey would be my best man for sure but um I think oh, I think to have a coach for 25 years you'd have to maintain a really really good relationship I just 
I, I don't think I could have an authority figure type coach and actually hang in there for that long. But, yeah. um, you know, Pacey's always taken that mateship approach. He's never been, he's never been one to do the tough love or, you know, give you the lectures at the end of races. He's, he's always just been pretty positive and laid back and uh, definitely there when you need him. But it's kind of the perfect coach for me, really. I was, I was having this same conversation last night about how, some of the other coaches, you know, come across as these real authority figures and they'll really grill their, their, you know, athletes with military type discipline. And um, I just never had to put up with that. It was always just, you know, I'm here for you. Um, it's what you want to get out of it. You know, it's up to you. And there was, he was never selfish about it. So, um, yeah, no, it's been, been a great relationship with Pacey for, for the last 25 years. Great. And those 25 years, you would have uh, seen a lot of runners come and go. Who are some of your favourites that you've been able to uh, run with? From my squad, oh, look, my, my secret weapon was Sam Ferguson. Um, I raised my best 1500s when Sam was also training in our squad for 1500s. And we just, oh, the competitiveness of us, of us, even though we were mates, actually did extend into training. And we just used to thrash each other. Um, and we really did get the most out of each other. So he's probably, oh, he's probably been my best training partner over the years. Um, Damon Court, he seems to have been there forever and a day, you know, he's yeah. still in my squad there. Um, but some of the ones over the years that I'm still mates with, you know, I've had Dave Costello, one of, one of my best mates, um, Leighton Kearney, Kenny Atkinson, um, still really good mates with these guys, even though they've, you know, moved on from the sport and moved away and whatnot. But um, I think, you know, 25 years in the squad, there's literally been over 100 squad members come and go. Yeah. You know, some, some were long-term, some had come for a couple of months and, decide it wasn't their thing or, or whatever or some were kind of flying in flying out we had a couple of um you know melbourne uni students who were here on work placement so they jumped in with our squad for the few months while they were down and took off again uh but yeah it's been there's, there's been some squad members over those 25 years yeah for sure yeah great what's your basic week in your training look like so yeah, okay yep um so monday wednesday friday sunday uh, well, pretty much every second day, isn't it? I would I would do endurance training. So that's either, uh, you know, a long run or um, cycling. My Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, um, I would do workout sessions or a race on Saturday. Um, and, yeah, I'd, I'd mix up my long runs with my cycling, just depending on how I feel. Like if I pull up really sore from a, from a training session, I'll jump on the bike the next day as opposed to running on it. Um, my running mileage is probably now 70 Ks maximum. I reckon it's not, it's not huge anymore. Um, even when I was running at my best, my, my mileage really got over 90 to hundred Ks. Um, yep. there was a couple of weeks through winter where I would have dipped up to, you know, like 120, but I've never been one to do huge, huge, huge mileage. Um, you know, I ran my best, my best 10 K, my 29, 38 off, you know, 80 Ks a week. So, yeah. I never really saw the benefit in, in overtraining when when my mileage seemed to be working for me. Yeah. So would you do two sessions a week? Would it be something like a Tuesday and a Saturday? Because you raced a fair bit as well, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. So I'll do my sessions Tuesday, Thursday. Um, and if I didn't race on a Saturday, I'd, I'd stick another session in there as well. Yeah. Um, and that vary. Like Tuesday's always been my hill, my hill training day. So I'd, I'd typically do, say, hills on a Tuesday and then a track session on a Thursday. Um, towards the, the peak end of a summer season, a track season, I'd put in two track sessions on both Tuesday and Thursday, one, one intense, one endurance based. Um, but yeah, always two sessions a week. Yeah. Yeah. And I love to mention that you've gone to the bike, a bit of cross training, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. I know as I've got older, um, I can't do the high intensity stuff. As yeah. You just, you just can't, yeah. You can't back up. Yeah. You just can't recover. Whereas the, the bike's active recovery. Yeah, you know, it keeps your your fitness base there, um, and just turning the legs over. It's the equivalent to you know getting a massage on your off days. So yeah, yeah it really does the job. Perfect. And so the listeners know how quick you are. Did you want to um, go for your PBs? I think from four hundred through to ten k, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So four hundred is fifty oh nine. Right. I'm a, bit, I'm a bit, <laughs> bit devastated about that one uh, because. Uh, to not run into 49 yeah. <laughs> after running 509. And uh, when I ran that 509, it was actually the heats in the state championships. 
and I backed off with 60 to go because I was winning my heat and I ran a 50.09. So I was a bit devastated. Oh. I, didn't, I didn't nail it and actually would have been about 49 low. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, my 800 is uh, 149.93. The only time I went under 150. So I've only done that on a single occasion. Uh, what's after that? 1K, uh, 223.66. Um, and that was the state record at the time. I clocked that one. Yeah. Uh, 1,500 was 342, 72. Um, I, I ran a couple of 342s, a couple of 343s, a whole shitload of 344s. Um, but, yeah, that being my pet event. Yeah. That, that's, that's probably my favourite PB, actually, because that one, you know, I put, I put the most amount of work into it. That's um, a very decent time, too. That stands out. A bit of a small yeah. Google, that one stands out a fair way compared to the others. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess so. Um, but, I mean, that was my pet event, so you, you'd probably expect that or you'd hope to expect that. Um, my 3K was 8.10.32. Um, that was also the state record at the time I ran that. Um, 5K, I've never done a good 5K on the track. Um, my track PB, I think, was 14.29. Um but my quickest 5K was actually in the Noosa Bolt, which is also a measured 5K. So I'll count that. I ran 14.13 up there in uh, yeah. 2009. Uh, and my 10K was in Lonnie 10, one of the early Lonnie 10s. I think that was 2009 as well, where I ran 29.38. Um, okay. Only time I've dipped under 30. <laughs> yeah. And this... By a decent amount, which was, uh, which was nice. Yeah. And would you call that your peak year? Because I remember your 2009 year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I have, I don't know what I was on that year. I shouldn't say that. That's, that's not joking about that. Um, yeah, I don't, know, I don't know what I did that was so special that year. Uh, I, th I think um, Sam Ferguson was training with me over winter. We just had this really good winter crew. Yeah. Um, um, Sam and Jordan Harris was there as well. I think we were just cranking out the, the long track reps and stuff like that, which were always a bit of a drag on your own. And, um, yeah, I just, just flew that winter. It was uh, – it was pretty incredible and haven't, haven't been close to it since. Um, yeah. yeah. Everything just aligned that year, 2009. But you're consistently um, under 31 minutes. You've been, you've run that plenty of times, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I've run a stack of sub 30 thirties. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just that, that one sub 30 at 29, 38. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot yeah. of teams just had it, go had it going on that day. I think. <laughs> I think a performance that really stands out for me, I think it was 2009 maybe as well. It was Bernie 10. You were in the lead pack and there was that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. About eight or nine of you. And were you third that day as well? Yeah, yeah I, was, I was third. Um, and it, it's probably one of the most frustrating races of my life because on paper, I've never had the talent to win Bernie 10 because, you know, these guys, I'll run 28 minutes something and I've never been able to run that quick. But for some reason this year, the pace was just down a bit. Um, and I, I was just sitting in that lead pack, just seeing how long I could hang on. And uh, it got to 2K to go, and I was still sitting with this pack. And yeah. I thought, what, what do I do here? I didn't actually know how to play <laughs> the, next, the next tactic. I thought, just just sit here and wait for the sprint. Um, we, came, we came into Wilson Street where Bernie 10 finishes. So we had about 400 metres to go, and I'm still in about the top five runners. And I was thinking, do I, do I make an attacking move here, or do I wait to defend? Um, and right as I was having that thought, the, the top four guys actually just went for it. We had this sprint from about 400 metres out um, and I hung on for third place. Um, I was four seconds behind Mark Tucker, who won it. Um, Benson Lawrence was second. And, uh, yeah, to get within four seconds of winning a race in a year when it was actually slow enough where I you know, could actually have won the thing, it was just a bit of a frustrating thing. But uh, I suppose I should be grateful I hung on for third, but... To be to be so close, yeah. But you're in. You imagine that element of frustration that's in that in that result. But you're still in some very elite company because there hasn't been yeah, absolutely like Tasmanian and, places. Yeah, yeah, and you know, Ben St. Lawrence being you know second second place, only a couple of seconds in front of me. Um, I I I mean that was before Ben had his you know successful sort of uh, I, I guess running catch there. But um, to look to look back and go, geez, I was within two seconds of Ben St. Lawrence in a birdie ten. I'll I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's something yeah. you can um, look back in years to come. And, well, you know, there's only a handful of guys that have placed in a Bernie Chan that's from Tasmania. So that's an yeah. awesome achievement. 
Yep. And then uh, Stewie McSwain came along and put us all to shame, really. So Yeah, he's just another <laughs> level, isn't he? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's mad. Yeah. Mad. And before we uh, recorded this podcast tonight, you were saying that you do some shift work. Did you want to actually uh, tell the listeners what you do for a job and how this affects the training at times? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually a, a mechanic, automotive mechanic by trade. Um, for the last eight years, I, I've been working with RACT as a roadside patrolman. So I'm effectively a mobile mechanic on the road. Um, we, we do work a rotating shift roster. So I'll go from day shifts to an afternoon shift onto, onto night shifts. Um, it, it actually fits, apart from the fact that it can get in the way of your squad training because we're just scheduled to squad train at 5pm Tuesday and Thursday. That actually works really well, um, especially through the winter months where, you know, typically you'd finish your work, you'd be training in the evenings when it's cold, dark and whatnot. So you'd be able to train in the best part of the day because I might be working nights or afternoons. Um, does have its advantages. So he, I managed to juggle it. Well, it juggles itself really well. Um, certainly no issues there at all, luckily. Yeah. <laughs> Probably would have taken the job on board if it, if, if it couldn't work. But, uh, yeah, no, balance as well. Yeah, I've done my fair share of night shift. It's uh, interesting. I just fit it within my life and running. I'd run. Yeah. I'd just run to work. It was the easiest way to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And have you got some interesting stories with the um, RACT? Ooh, you want to oh, share? Because I imagine you'd have a, have a few there, surely. Oh. Oh yeah, look, there's so there's so many stories. I, oh, yeah, I almost forget them. Um, you know, <laughs> just going to things like um, I don't, I've had this a couple of times where people haven't been able to unlock their car, and it turns out that they're trying to get into the wrong car in a car park, for example. It's a car that's theirs. <laughs> no. um, I actually <laughs> had this, this. This look, this story is probably a little bit a little bit sad, but it's one that sticks in my mind. I went to a, a nursing home where an elderly lady claimed her car wouldn't go but she was actually just suffering from dementia and f- had forgotten how to start the car there was, oh. there was nothing at all wrong so um yeah. there's plenty of interesting stories in there um yeah like i say there's, there's so many that you, you you forget them but um uh i had some keys locked in a car once and when i turned up the driver's window was actually down so <laughs> <laughs> sure enough, i locked in the car but couldn't <laughs> grab them oh, <laughs> so, great yeah, plenty, plenty of silly stories yeah brilliant yeah. and I wanted to touch on, you used to have a few battles with a few junior athletes and then early into your senior career as well. One that stands out is Andrew Harding. Yeah. Um, what did this battle mean to you? Because you guys pushed each other quite a lot, didn't you, in the early days? Yeah, look, Andrew is probably one of my, my earliest rivals coming from, from my junior years. So I think, you know, I remember racing him back when I was in high school. So, you know, I was probably... 12 and 13 racing Andrew and he Andrew just always seemed to have I, I I kind of feel like Andrew had more natural talent than me um he just seemed to have an edge um once we got to I I really didn't start running well till I was about 18 or 19 um once I got to that point I, I felt like I had a bit of an edge on him but that was also when he was actually starting to suffer from injuries and, you know, I think his career was was over by the time he was about 2021. 20, yeah. Um, and, yeah, it, 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 we had some good battles, though. But, yeah, I always felt like in those early days, he just did have that edge on me. But um, it, it was pretty sad to see him, you know, suffering from injury issues at such an early age. But, um, yeah, a lot of distance runners did suffer that fate, unfortunately. Yeah. And do you put this down to maybe too much training when he was younger? Do you yeah, look, I, yeah. I probably, I probably do. Unfortunately. Um, you, you know, you will get those, those obsessed guys who just want to train more and more and more. And I think, um, I, I guess probably one of the things that actually helped my longevity is the fact that I've naturally been a little bit lazy. So, you know, I'd always do the bare minimum amount of training um, until I got to a point where I was so into the sport that, you know, the training wasn't, wasn't a motivational issue for me but um oh, i always did the minimum if pacey told me do an eight to ten k run i'd do the eight k if he said do five or six reps i'd do five yeah. um it was, there was definitely no overtraining with me it was always quality but certainly didn't overdo it yeah and you mentioned that your your running took off about 18 or 19 were you yeah. were you a smaller kid growing up was that 
one of those yeah, factors probably, as well? Or? Yeah, I probably was. Um, there's there a few factors at play. I, I think I was a bit of a late developer. So I was, um, you know, a lot of the guys I was racing against were probably a bit more developed than I was. Um, but all, also I didn't start training hard till I was 18 either. Like, um, you know, I'd go to, I'd go to Pacey's squad training on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily do my long runs on the day, my other days where, you know, self-discipline came into it and I probably lacked a lot there. And it probably wasn't until I started doing that, you know, that long fitness training that I actually came into my stride. Um, but looking in hindsight, I think it was probably a good thing. You know, a lot of, a lot of kids who did too much training just, you know, trained on an under, underdeveloped body and, and killed themselves. So um, I think in hindsight, it was probably actually a really smart move. <laughs> yeah. Having a bit of laziness there. Yeah. I mean, I was very similar in my age group. I'm the only person running now. Like The names of James Scar, Daniel Clark. Like, yeah. Yeah. All, all those guys have gone. Um, yeah. But I was probably a bit lazy too. I just, yeah, but, yeah. but I really enjoyed the sport. I enjoyed the social side more than anything. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I bet you your consistency probably hasn't changed for your free whole career, but you've just managed to do the bare minimum and not get injured. But that's what I wanted to touch on. What are some of your injuries that you've suffered? Yeah. Okay. Um, look, I, I I just call them the common distance runner injuries. Um, I've had Achilles tendinopathy in both Achilles. Um, that, that's always been an ongoing issue in my right Achilles. Um, I've done strengthening and conditioning on that, I think, every day for the last oh, six years or something. Um, and then further up the lower leg, calf issues. Um, yeah. that's, that's kind of what I get struck down with now. I've never had another injury outside Achilles and calves, okay. which, is, which is pretty lucky. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, they will strike you down big time. <laughs> yeah, they seem the typical running old man injury. Yeah, had my fish every Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and do you get in the weight room as well, or do you just do the eccentric calf raises and that sort of thing? Um, as far as my lower leg conditioning goes, um, I just do a lot of plyometric lifting and stuff on it. Um, I do have a twenty kilo backpack I put on and do some raising exercises with. Um, I, I actually. I sit in a chair and I put 50 kilos of weight plates on my knee and, and do heel raises with 50 kilos on my knee. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, good exercise. But over the, over the last uh, uh, probably year, year and a half, I've actually got into, and this, this isn't really running related. It was just, it's probably because I'm starting to slow down a little bit now, I guess, that I've actually started doing a, a little bit of upper body work um, just because it's something I've never done before. So just doing like pull-ups and push-ups and um Nothing too serious, just some upper body weight work. And, and like I say, it's just because it's something I've never had the luxury of being able to do before because ideally a distance runner doesn't want to carry any upper body muscle. But no. um, <laughs> it's just something I've, I've started doing just as a matter of interest, not not to benefit running at all, but yeah. Yeah, great, great. Um, and your pet event, 1500, was this something that you chose because – you were better at it than most events or was this something that you wanted to do because it, you know, the 1500, it's a golden event. Yeah. Look a little bit of both actually. Um, it carries over from little athletics where it was actually our longest distance event. Um, yeah. And, and that was, it was the event that I won my first state title in when I was 12 years of age. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, yeah, definitely carry over from that. But one the one of the reasons why I stuck with it, um, ideally it probably shouldn't have been my pet event. I was probably better suited to 5K. Um, I just didn't one issue you always have as a distance runner in, in Tassie, especially if you're at you know somewhat of an elite level, is um the depth of training squads and training partners. And because I was primarily for a lot of the years training by myself, I actually found 1500 meter training was actually you could do it really successfully by yourself because um, my, my two key sessions were sets of 400s on the track and um, seven 300s with 100 float recovery. And you could actually, they were quite intensely lactic, but you could get through those sessions by yourself all right. Whereas for 5K training, you had a lot more intense, longer reps that took a lot more focus, a lot more concentration. And they just seemed, it seemed to be a lot more of a grind. Whereas I found just 1500 meter training, you could just nail it by yourself. Uh, whereas we, I did try and step up to 5K at one point, 
And I, I just found I wasn't into it. I just didn't love the training when you just had to rock up and grind out 1K reps and, you know, much longer stuff. Um, yeah, so that, that was a factor as well, just the, the easeability of the training in the environment that I had. So yeah, stuck makes, with 1500s. Yeah. Makes total sense. And did yeah. you have like a go-to session? You mentioned those 400s and 300s. What sort of times were you hitting when you knew that you were on, you know, I'm ready? Yeah, okay. Um, the, the best session for a 1500 tune-up is probably your two sets of four 400s with a minute recovery. So you, you're basically doing a mile per, per set. Um, I'd be hitting those in about 57 seconds, um, down to 55 in the last one. And for the yeah, seven three. For the seven three hundreds, if you could hit low foot, like you know, 40, 41 seconds for those, you knew you're on song then. Yeah, Absolutely. perfect. And um, you and Fergo would have uh, loved that together, wouldn't you? Oh, uh, we'd we we'd always vomit at the end of a four hundred. <laughs> yeah, we'd get right into that. Yeah, it's yeah. so funny. I, I can't stand that training. I hate high intensity training. Give me give me a longer distance session any day. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, I'd probably take that these days, but um, there was something about it. It was just short and sharp and just get it out of the way. Um, you know, running 400s, it's, eh, it's a mentally easy thing to do. You just kind of roll out your first 200, you wind up a 200, and then you get a minute break. Um, it didn't take a massive amount of focus and you could all, all, almost do it just off muscle memory. So yeah. it, in a way, it made the training, you know, quite easy to get through. Yeah, perfect. So, yeah, one of my faves. Mm. And your 15, you said your 1500. So you won your first, that was a junior state title at 12. Yep. When's your first, when you, your senior title, your first oh, one? First senior title. Um, it wouldn't have been for a while. Um, I dare say I was probably about 18, I would say. Yeah. 18, 19. Um, I remember, I remember winning one when I was actually I might have been eighteen, and I remember I was the only senior or open competitor because they ran me with the next age group down. So I dare say I can't really claim that one as a state title, but I had an okay. absolute, I had an absolute cracker with Brad Dyson one year. Oh yeah, um, yeah. We came down and I think that was the next year, so I must have been about nineteen. Uh, we had an absolute cracking sprint finish, um, and we both ran about three forty-seven, which is, was pretty quick for a state title at the time. Yeah, um, still, it still is really. You, you you'd really see someone run a state title in in you know sub three fifty. So yeah, it was moving. Yeah, and and how many have you won of those? Oh, I did see this stat the other day. Um, I do believe it's. I think it's eight as well, to be honest. Okay. Uh, yeah. But uh, one thing I used to do um, for a few years there, our, our 1500 metre fields were actually quite light on. Um, and our, our state titles clashed quite often with the Victorian state championships. Um, and I'd go and go to Melbourne and run the Victorian state championships, basically just for better competitive running than to, you know, jog around and essentially win an easy race here. So there were actually about five years, four or five years in a row where I didn't actually run our state titles at all. Yeah. Um, yeah just because they clashed with the Victorian ones. Actually, it was probably only about three years. But, yeah, there was a couple of years where I, I didn't actually compete here in the state champs. And that that makes sense for um, – I mean, you're, you, were, you were well under. Is it 348 for national qualifiers? Is that what it is or 350 yeah. or something? Is it something yeah, I think, like that? I think it was 350 back then, yeah. Yeah. And so you you went to nationals most years. Do you have any standout races here that you're really proud of? Um, nationals was always a tricky one because oh, as far as being a I, – I did my best running off a fast pace. I was never much of a tactician. So um, I never did amazingly well in big championship races because they were always sit-and-kick type scenarios, which kind of put me out of contention because I was never a massively fast finisher. Um, so I could run a fast time off a fairly even pace. Um, I do remember uh, my first nationals was under 20. Um, and I, got, I won the bronze medal, but uh, I, was, I was actually in the lead coming into the straight. So I never really thought of it as, as a massively successful run because I had a couple of guys run over the top of me. Um, uh, and then a few years 
sorry, still there. I just lost you for a second. Uh, a few years after that, I had an, another good race in um, in Brisbane where I think I was fourth or fifth across the line um, in, a, in yeah. a good field. But I certainly never really picked up any places at nationals. Um, like I say, it was always a tricky race because it was really tactical, which was not really my style of racing. Um, it always just suited the guys who could, you know, drop a 54 last lap in a 1500, which I could just never quite manage. So. Yeah. And did you find coming from Tassie, uh, we mentioned the lack of racing. Did you find sometimes going into a nationals that was hard too, not having that yeah, regular... Absolutely, yeah, 100%. Um, it was always the downfall in coming from Tassie. Um, you, we, you, we didn't get to run in big fields. So, you know, you never learnt tactical manoeuvres. Um, you never learnt to run in a pack. I'd always find I was, if I was in a pack, I'd be clipping other runners with my feet and stuff like that just because you weren't used to running with people so tight-knit around you. Um, so it, it always was a downfall. Um, something, yeah, I, I probably couldn't experience enough, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Still great, mate. I mean, 342, um, virtually for a runner who stayed in this, you know, Tasmania, that's 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 a bloody good time. Um, yeah, yeah, well, I guess most of the guys who have ran faster than that since um either moved away or or were based primarily based elsewhere, weren't they? So I mean James yeah. Hampton, you know, he, he absolutely did the right thing, you know, he re- recognized his, the limitations of staying in Tassie and moved away and certainly um reaping the benefits of that but um i I always just saw distance running as as a hobby um not as not as my main priority i always had my working career and you know friends and family life and whatnot so i was never hell bent on moving away to actually do it um i think genetically i probably got the best out of myself anyway so there probably wasn't a great deal of benefit in 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 moving but um yeah completely defend the guys who do though and completely understand why you would yeah did you ever consider that did you ever not seriously no no yeah yeah um, like, like i say like when uh, you know when i was 21 you know i had a tis scholarship and we did all the correct lab testing basically to establish they're, they're basically trying to establish who are the genetic freaks who they should focus on we certainly with me we we didn't uncover any underlying genetic gifts that made me look like a freak of nature or anything um, yeah. So I think I probably ran within the spec of what I was ultimately going to run. Um, I think, you know, if I moved away and, you know, found a better squad in Melbourne or Sydney, my 342 might have ended up being a 340, which, you know, yeah. well, but it still, it still wouldn't have been enough to go to that next level. You know, you need a, a 339 to, to qualify for the Com Games in Melbourne. Um, so, yeah, it just would have brought with it probably, <laughs> probably the same element of frustration where you go, you know, it's, it's good, but it's still not good enough. Yeah, and the fifteen hundred is one of the one of the hardest events to qualify. The standard in Australia is pretty bloody decent, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. But, um, yeah, at, at one point, um, I know when when I had a bit of a breakthrough year when I was twenty two. Um, you know, in the space of a week, I took my PB from uh, three forty five down to three forty three, um, and we were two years out from the Melbourne Com Games. And being an Australian based game, you only had to run a B qualifier to get in. So. Um, I had two years to drop four seconds down to three thirty nine, so that was that was the goal at the time. But yeah. uh, never never got there. No, nah, but you should be nah. you should you should be bloody proud of what you achieved, mate. Um, oh yeah, yeah, look, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you got to look back and kind of be grateful that you did what you did, really. So, we'll say yeah, really absolutely. And we touched on the City Casino in your introduction. You've won this race eight times. Anyone yep. who's anyone in Tasmanian running has won this event, but you've won it bloody eight times. What does uh, what does this mean to you, mate? Because you would have grown up running the junior races in this, and you know, lengthened out each each year, and then finally got to the big one. Yeah, that's right. So I think I did my first city casino, and this was this was probably one of the events that actually really kind of got me into distance running. So I did it when I was eight, and I walked it with my mother because my older sister was running it. Okay. Um, I remember Russell Foley winning it that year and I just kind of like looked up to those guys and, you know, for some reason it, it just captured my attention a little bit. Um, one, yeah, like you say, I, I, I just built on distances as I was sort of allowed to or permitted to by the coach. Um, I think I must have been, I think I was 22 when I won my first 11K. Um, I think I won... 
That's right. I won two in a row, and then Kim Gillard came along. Oh, bastard. Raymond, Raymond <laughs> won play, and he, he won the next two. Um, and then after that, I won six in a row. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's been some interesting races in that event. There's been a, there's been a couple of years where basically it was uncontested. So, provided I didn't break down and made it to the finish line, it was it was probably you know going to be my race. But then uh, I had a couple of crackers with uh, you know Dave Thomas and um, yeah Dej and Gabra Celesi in, in the last one that I won back in 2013. Dejan was four seconds behind me. He yeah, had the on the whole way. Um, so yeah, I've had a, had a couple of good tussles on that course. Yeah, and. <laughs> And you had the monopoly there for a while, and then um, Dave Thomas came out of nowhere. I think, I think, I think everyone thought, "Who's this guy? Like, is he actually for real?" Yeah, no. I remember um, the first time I saw I raced against Tomo. It was just in one of our local fun runs down here, the Round the River Fun Run, which is by no means, you know, it's by no means a big event. And I was leading at the, I was about the seven k mark. And Tomo's gone past me and he's wearing Dunlop volleys <laughs> or, you know, a, a shoe of that kind of nature. And he's got these sort of like long board shorts on and a blue Bond singlet <laughs> covered in tats, got dreadlocks. And I actually had to question whether that, like, has he just come out of the bushes? And is he just running <laughs> yeah. past me? Like, is this guy actually in the race? And I got to the end and uh, I mentioned to someone, I said, who, who was that guy? And they're like, oh, we're actually just looking at the, at the TV footage to see if he actually was on the start line. <laughs> <And> <laughs> sure enough, he was. And from that day yeah. on, Tomo's been Tomo. Yeah. yeah. And, he, and he's such a lovely guy too. Like he's... Uh, oh, yeah. 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 Absolutely. But um, I think it was, it was more the appearance of his, of his gear. Like it was hard to take him seriously at first. Like, you know, rocks up in some Kmart sneakers and just some, some <laughs> clothing. And, yeah. 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 He's not your typical... Runner, look, he, you know, he doesn't warm up in the tights or the, uh, no, the jackets. No. He's just got his yeah. own little thing. and Yeah, that's right. And look, yeah. you'll, you'll be on the start line looking around to see who's at the event and you won't actually see him. He'll be hiding back in the field and then you'll get 500 metres in and you'll just hear him say, you know, how are you going, Pagey? It's like, oh, shit, Tomo's here. <laughs> yeah, I know he does that, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He just hides away from it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. And... This is what I wanted to touch on before. Unlike normal people, they have cats and dogs as pets. Yes. yes. Did you yes. want to uh, explain what you've actually got? And how did this happen? Oh, should I, should I tell this story? Should I tell it? Yeah, um, absolutely. So I, I, I've got a pet Bennett's Wallaby called Ruby, spelled R-O-O-B-Y. Um, <laughs> great so, name. So, <laughs> great name. So, yeah, Ruby's lived at my house for two years now. Um, she's, she's actually asleep on my bed at the moment, but, uh, <laughs> lives a life of luxury. So, so Ruby was, uh, she was actually an orphaned Joey, um, from a wallaby cull on a, on a farming property where, uh, I was just there while a, a cull was being undertaken and I, okay. I couldn't, bear, I couldn't bear to see Ruby's life lost to the stomping boot of a, of a hunter. So I took her home and, uh. Yeah, hand raised her. It was a, was a bit of a, it was an enjoyable mission when she was little, sort of having to get up in the middle of the night and do bottle feeds and whatnot. But um, oh, she's been a, a great little pet. They're, they're quite loyal and affectionate. And yeah. Do they actually like sit next to you like a cat or a dog? Does that happen? Or? Yeah, to, to a degree she does. Um, she sort of, uh, I mean, she primarily lives outside, but if she's inside, she will jump up on the couch and kind of, lick my arm and stuff like that. She won't sit there for long, you know, she won't lounge on me like a, like a cat. <laughs> um, no, nah, she lives a life of luxuries. She, you know, sleeps on the bed and sits on the couch and, and whatnot. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. And what's the, uh, what's the span of like, do they live long? Is that what's to go with? Yeah. Look, they can live as long as a dog. Um, wow, okay. I know, I know people who have had them for, you know, 12 years or more. So yeah. yeah. It can, can be a bit of a long haul mission if you're gonna gonna keep them, which probably is not recommended. But yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, by, by no means a normal pet, but uh, not that weird once you're used to it. <laughs> no, it's good. And you uh, you change your, your house, especially haven't you? Haven't you put a big tall fence up so she doesn't escape? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, the, you could basically just uh, walk in and out of the backyard. So I sort of had to fence it off with some uh, some five foot high fences just to, yeah. to make it wallaby proof. 
So yeah, a couple of couple, oh, I mean I was probably going to do it anyway, but yeah, a couple of alterations made to the yard to to make it pet friendly. No, that's brilliant. You can't get much more Australian than that, can you? No, no, pet kangaroo. Yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned you've been running for twenty five years. Do you still enjoy it today as much as you used to? Um, I do. Um, I definitely find it different. I used to love the pressure of competition. Um, it was it was just so easy to motivate yourself back then when you. We we're on this train of success where you'd run a PB and then you were just eyeing off your next race and um, how you'd run your next PB. Whereas, um, you know, I, I have to reassess my goals these days because, you know, my, let's not beat around the bush. My best days are definitely behind me. Um, but I, I just try to achieve different things, you know, primarily just staying in, in good shape. Um, I, I train now basically based around what my body will handle. So I, I don't really structure training programs as such. I'll just train day to day on, you, you will plan your week, but um, you know, you'll just adjust it as to how the legs are feeling. Um, I still plan to do, you know, events like I like to get away every, every August and do city to surf in Sydney, you know, Bernie 10, uh, Lonnie 10, city to casino, all of those sorts of races. Um, I'll try and get a track season in there, but um I definitely still enjoy it um, more so play it by ear because it's, it's just hard to plan when you're, you're just so brittle these days. Uh, it's hard to plan too far ahead, but um, enjoy it for different reasons. You know, I can look back on, I guess the success and achievements that I've done and just don't have to worry about trying to do those now. But um, there's, I guess when, when you have done something at a competitive level, you've always got that, um, that element of frustration in, you, you're never going to be happy with the time that you run. Um, yeah. it, it might be within the spec of what you think on the day, but, um, you know, like yesterday I was talking about running a 3K on the track and, you know, my, my PB of 8.10, you know, I'd be happy to run an 8.50 now, but you're never going to be happy with an 8.50 when you know, yeah, you know, you've, you've ran 8.10, you still think you can run 8.20, 8.25. So it's, it's hard to be 100% happy, but you just have to be realistic and, you know, just take it with a grain of salt, I guess. Yeah, and and how do you cope with that, with the slowing down and and knowing that this is happening? Because it just happens. It doesn't happen yeah. overnight. It just slowly no, happens. It does happen. Look, yeah. I, I think I think for a few years you, you're in denial. Um, you, you kind of think, oh, this season's been a bit down, but um, we'll we'll pick it up next season, and then the next season's down on that one. Um, and then yeah. Yeah, you you might have a good one. You might have a season where you run, you know, you run quicker than the last two years, and you bring back some hope and then before you know it, you realize, Oh geez, it's been eight or 10 years since I ran my best times. I, I think I can probably forget about chasing that now um, and just go out there and be, you know, a little bit more realistic and, and reset your goals, reset your PBs. Um, and also like I, I find what's a good guide is you actually just look at um, what other people have done in the same age group. So I look at what the masters state records and whatnot are for my age group and stuff like that. And if you can kind of run around those sorts of times, well, Hey, you know, you know, you're doing pretty well. Yeah. Uh, brilliant. Yeah. But I definitely think, you know, you're, in, you are in denial for a couple of years and you, you know, you, you find it hard to accept that you know, after a long enough period of time, I think you, you just realistically see what age you're at and you're probably just grateful to still be running because I've had, you know, other generations of runners, you know, go a long time before me. So, yeah, yeah. happy to just be there, really. And, you know, like you start to, especially in 1500, you start to lose your speed, like 27, 28, 29. I ran, my PB, I ran my PB at 29. Yeah. Um, and that, that was one of those things where I had ran, I think the PB I'd run before that was, I was around 20, 25 when I ran that PB. Um, and then four years later, I ran my PB again. So people started saying, oh, well, you know, you ran your PB at 25, that's done and dusted. And then to come out and, you know, show them yeah. all that you'll be done at 29, it's, it was one of those things that gives you a little bit more hope. Yeah. Um, so you, 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 for a few years, you kind of live in hope of, oh, I'll, I may have another breakthrough season where I, I run that well again, but uh, it wasn't the case. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got nothing to prove, mate. But did you... No, ever yeah, did you ever consider it going longer, like half and fulls? Of um, marathons never really interested me. Um, yeah, I, yeah I, I, I just don't enjoy it. the way I analyze it. Is um, you run you run best around what your 
your speed will allow you to do. So you always want to run um, the event that you can basically do the fastest still. Yeah. Um, and I, I've just never really been into half marathon and marathon running because it, it just takes so much speed component out of it um, that it, it's, you know, it's, speed's kind of been my forte in a way. So to take that out, I, I kind of feel like you're taking the speed, the, the skill element out of it. Um, so no, I've never really considered going that long. Uh, and the other thing is as well is the, the amount of mileage you've got to run to train for an event like that um, when you're starting to have, you know, calf and Achilles troubles, uh, it just won't allow you to run that kind of mileage. So um, probably limited really to, yeah. to not be that far. Yeah. Oh, no, personally, how brutal I'm training for yeah. marathon is the body just doesn't. Yeah. It's unforgiving. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you weren't always on Strava. No, no. But no. you've recently joined this. Has that been for motivation as well or something different? Or um, To be honest, uh, I, about a year ago, I got myself a new Garmin and found that it just automatically links to Strava. So I just, Beautiful. Just, um, I, it's not something I'm, I'm not uh, – and, and my training just automatically uploads onto it. Um, it's something I – I was never really into it, but I guess uh, the moment you do it, suddenly you, you start finding that you're into it. Like um, you'll see that there's a certain segment out on your training run and you kind of think, oh, that's achievable. So you, next thing you find yourself having a crack at that, um, especially on the bike. Um, yeah, there's, right. There's really <laughs> different segments on the bike that I've gone out there in, with a mission to achieve. But um, I don't think it's necessarily about getting the segment. I think it's just setting yourself a goal and giving yourself something to work around. Um more so than having your, your name in the number one position with the crown next to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, any, anything you can use to find motivation, I guess. Yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah, I tend to agree. I, I love a bit of Strava. It's good yeah. for motivation. Yeah. Just another yeah. Facebook network, in it, where you can just upload to runs and yeah, do well. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But, um, yeah, cool. no, I certainly don't don't really try to impress anyone. But um, it's, uh, it, it is interesting looking through what people do, I guess, for sure. Yeah. Oh, here he is. Yeah, we are. There's a little, little bit of Ruby. <laughs> the listeners of uh, just got a picture of uh, Ruby. The uh, is it is it a Patty Mellon or Wallet? No, she's a, she's a Bennett's Wallaby. Bennett's Wallaby. There you go. She's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you've been around the bush a fair while. Where do you see athletics going in the future? Because interclub is not what it used to be. Yeah, and look, it's, it has always been a concern of mine. Um, I remember, you know, back when I first joined Pacey Squad, you know, when I was 13, our interclubs were as big on a Saturday then as our state titles are now. Um, there'd be full fields. Um, you know, there'd be half a dozen heats in, in distance races, like an 800. And um, just seeing those fields deplete over the years is certainly, you know, it's certainly a bit depressing. Um, and it's, it's always been something where we, we are concerned about the future of the sport. Unfortunately, I don't really have the answer. Um, athletics, unfortunately, just isn't a modern sport. Um, you know, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty tough. Um, there's certainly no equipment that, um, you know, people can fantasise over. Like, you know, whenever there's any a bike involved in something, people certainly take an interest in gear. Um, you know, it's, it's <laughs> such a... It's such a primitive sport. It's like, and that's that's actually one of the things I do like about it. It's just so raw and organic that um, there's no advantage to be obtained by having fancy equipment. Um, although Nike is starting to bring out some shoes that are telling us otherwise. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess the initial fun aspect of it probably isn't really there, which is why it just doesn't appeal to to young kids. Um, you know, only the talented ones who who will have some success. Um, I think possibly just recruiting um, could be the way, could be the way forward. Just try, try yeah. and get more people into the sport. But um, yeah, it has been a bit depressing watching the numbers of the fields thin out over the years. Yeah, for sure. So I, I, I'd, I'd hate to see the sport go down the drain, but um, yeah, I think those few, those few keen people um, are keeping it going for sure. But uh, our winter competition certainly doesn't doesn't struggle. I think maybe the the more laid back nature of cross country runs and and whatnot tends to entice people to come along a bit more. Whereas the moment you're on the track, people just think it's all performance, you know, orientated, and there's certain you know times you've got to be able to run. 
So you've got that that pressure aspect there of, of track running, which doesn't seem to be there in out of stadium events. So maybe there needs to be some way of introducing a, a more relaxed atmosphere to track running. Yeah, um, just give nailed it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think uh, just even the time of day, like yeah, yeah. Like a, nobody wants to wait around for a, I don't know, a one half past one into club. Yeah, exactly. I've I've always said you know. Um, I mean, little athletics run in the morning and we run in the afternoon so we don't clash with them. But I've always kind of been under the impression that the senior athletes shouldn't be dictated by the junior athletes. You know, they should, yeah. they should follow uh, follow us really. So we, we probably should be leading there. And um, certainly, you know, we get the pick of the weather if we run in the morning as well because the wind tends to come up in the afternoons as well. So, yeah, perhaps, perhaps morning would be a better time because um, – it does tend to destroy your whole day if you're waiting around till you know you're, you're two thirty in the afternoon, eight hundred for sure. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I don't know if you've got a partner at the moment, but what are they for over the running over the years? Uh, yeah, look, my, all my partners have actually been supportive of it. Um, I mean, they all knew, um, all like all, all two of them. They knew I was a runner before they, you know, before they were with me. So they knew what to expect. So, and yeah. look, I, I, I wouldn't be with someone who, who wasn't supportive of it. Like that's me. That's who I am. That's who I've been. Um, so, you know, if you don't like that, well, you don't like me, do you? So brilliant. Uh, brilliant. Yeah. Answer. No, I've, I've, I would refuse to have a partner who wasn't supporting that. I, I don't think it would actually get to the stage where they were my partner, if that was the case. So um, yeah, certainly no issues there. I've, you know, I've, they've usually come along and, you know, ran a Bernie 10 with me while I go up to run it and they come along for the road trip. So, yeah, um, you, know, you know, they've, they've tagged along and followed suit. <laughs> yeah. I've had a few uh, road trips in Bernie, one with Aaron Humphrey. We won't mention too much about that. <laughs> no, keep the uh, exclusive details out of that, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. Uh, and what has running given you over the years? What, what have you taken out of running or... I mean, if you you learn a lot about yourself, um, you know, I know my strengths, my weaknesses, what I'm mentally capable of. Um, you know, it's it's certainly, uh, I guess, if you've done it at any kind of successful level, it's it's giving you your, your mission in life, really. Um, if I took running out of the picture, like I'd just be a, a motor mechanic from Hobart. Um, so, you know, put it put your name on the map and. Um, yeah, it's certainly, I would have to say it's definitely been my biggest achievement, probably the, the greatest page I've turned in my life, um, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you live in Tasmania, you know who Grant Page is. You soon find that out, especially if you're a runner. So that's something you can be oh, very right. proud of. Uh, probably in the running circles, yeah. I don't know about outside of those. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're known as the RACC mechanic. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something like that. Cool. And are there any mantras that you live by in your life? Oh, can you be more specific on that? Oh, like anything that you really live by or saying that you have that uh, do unto others type thing? Like if yeah, look, passion, patience and persistence is one that always comes to mind. Someone, someone said it once or someone had it tattooed to their arm or something. Yeah. And I kind, I kind of think that's... Um, that's a pretty good one for distance running. You know, it's, um, it's, it's often slow progress. It's a, it's a long road to, you know, when you're relying on body conditioning and building fitness and building, you know, every little aspect of it, you do need to be, you know, passionate. Um, you know, you've got to have that patience there and, and, and be persistent. So that's, yeah. that's kind of one. Um, another one, uh, Pacey, my coach used to say to me before I went out onto a, onto the start line of a 1500 you know i say don't die wondering yeah perfect <laughs> um, and that that's probably that's probably fair as well you know like put it all out there um you know you've got to take those risks in, in a race at some point if you're just going to run safe races all your life you, you're never going to find out exactly how fast you can run or whether you can actually beat someone um i've always wondered how you know you'll see these good mainland runners go to <clears throat> go to europe and they'll run a a six or seven second personal best over 1500 and you kind of go how did you have the confidence to run that much faster than your current pb yeah it's you know, I'd, 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 be, I'd do one lap at that pace and think oh, i better back off because i'm going to blow up here but i guess it's that philosophy of don't die wondering like just go hard and it, it'll pay off one day so uh, yeah. yeah 
probably a couple there that certainly come to mind. Brilliant answer. For sure. Yeah. And your role models in life or running? Anything really? Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think uh, a few of my running idols, just the guys who were running well, um, you know, at the time I was I was looking to run well. Craig Mottram's always probably been my favourite Australian runner. Um, Ishmael Garouge, because he's got the 1,500-metre world record. Um, certainly two that that come to mind of guys that I've, um, you know, idolised over the years. Um, I do I do have to confess, it's not a sport where I, um, outside of my own running and competition, it's not a sport that I've ever lived and breathed. Um, I'm certainly no running encyclopedia, um, unlike some guys out there. So um, it was it was more one of those things. I, I probably did it for my, my own reasons rather than followed every aspect of the sport outside of mine, which is some people find a bit interesting, but um, yeah, the way it is, yeah. No, do you think you ran for mental health as well? Because uh, you know how good you feel when you've, when you've been for a run. I know me personally. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. I, definitely, I definitely do now. Um, I don't think I was so much aware of it. I, look, I would say 100% yes. Um, yeah. I don't think I was so much aware of it back when I was younger. Um, but, I mean, yeah, you can be you, – you can have a stressful day and you knock off work and, and go for a run. And by the time you're home from your run, you're fixed, aren't you? So Yeah, it's awesome. Um, there's something very therapeutic about it. Um, so, yeah, I guess um, 100% yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. say I'd do long running as, a, as an outlet for, uh, for mental health for sure. Great, great. And what's a piece of advice you'd give a newbie runner or someone who's even been out as long as you have? Yeah, okay. Um, look, for any newbie runner, um, I'd say, you know, be realistic about your goals. Um, running is, it's it's subjective to the individual. Just because someone else can run something off certain training, it doesn't mean you're going to. Um, it, everyone's different, so... You know, be realistic about what you're going to run and, and just try and run well within yourself. Um, there's goals up there that just aren't achievable. You know, I don't know how those world records were run. I, I can't even fathom running that fast around a track. So it's just unrealistic to believe you're going to be the best in the state, the best in the world, the best in your country. So um, set your own goals. Um, just progress is very slow. So just just do things as at the, at the speed it's meant to happen. Um, certainly make inc incremental changes to your mileage. Don't try and do it in large slices. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much the advice I'd give to a newbie. So. Perfect. And do you see yourself coaching? Got some pretty Ooh. good tips there. Look, I've, I do have a little bit of a squad on the go at the moment, which I, um, you know, my coach, Pacey, he sort of basically retired from the training scene uh, about, around two years ago. Um, and I, I took over the squad, but, um, yeah, you know, we've all, we're all pretty self-sufficient. Those guys don't need too much guidance. So, um, it's almost more a mentor thing where they just can't make up their mind over what session they want to do. So they just need to be told a session, but, um, we're certainly not an elite squad. Um, I probably wish I did have more of an elite squad because I'd, I'd take a much more serious approach to it, but yeah. no, it's, it's, it's something I can certainly see myself doing a bit more of. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, great. It'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be a shame to let 25 years of knowledge just go to waste. Without I think sharing. you'd be fantastic, mate, the conversations we've had together. So, yeah, thanks. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> and closing out today, what are some values that you live by? Or values oh. that you live by? Oh, values that I live by. Um, hard work, honesty, um, you know, athletics is certainly a sport where you, you're only going to get out of it what you put into it. There's no, there's no easy way around it, uh, which is one of the organic things I really like about it. Um, I, I guess swimming's another sport where you know it's 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 similar in that respect. Um, there's there's no equipment where you can spend a few more dollars and go a little bit faster. So uh, it's a very 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 honest sport. Yeah. Uh, yeah, values that I live by. Oh, that's a tough question. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> oh, family. <laughs> family. Friends. Yeah. Friends, yeah. All of that. Yeah. Yep. Cool. And Absolutely. just another thing. What do you think of these shows? Do you think it's good or bad? Oh, uh, I 
mean, it's always going to happen. You're always going to try and find people trying to find an, an artificial advantage. You know, whenever there's been rules for forever and a day, people have been trying to bend the rules to obtain an advantage, haven't they? So it's going to happen. Look, I think um, I think it's probably a bad thing. I think you, you, you want to keep the sport as organic as it can be. Um, you want people to run off their ability, not off a mechanical advantage. Um, yeah, I think uh, by enforcing a few tighter rules on the on the shoes, it's definitely been the right the right move to make there. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, it, it's going to make a, a mockery of our of our records. You know, breaking a marathon record in twenty twenty one is certainly not the achievement of setting that record whenever it was set. So, nah, you want to you want to keep the sport <laughs> one, I think. I don't know about you, but I wish it was around about four or five years ago at my best. That'd have, that would have been nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, we're, yeah, we're just enjoying that the shoes came along too late. That's yeah, that's it, yeah. That's my biggest bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, where were they when we needed them? <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Listeners, this has been Grant Page. I'm Brian Lyons, and this is the Everyday Lines podcast. Thank you, Grant. Thank you. Awesome, mate. Thank you. Catch you later. Listeners, that was Grant Page. I'd like to thank Grant for his precious time. Grant has been one of Tasmania's best ever distance runners. And yeah, I wish him the best of luck with any future races and his riding and running. We forgot to mention that Grant actually owns a Golden Gemini. If you live in Hobart, you've probably seen this. It's a hotted up thing and I don't think Grant will ever sell this car. I think it's a bit of a love affair. I've actually been in this car and it's not a bad little ride. Uh, thank you Grant anyway. In other news, Everyday Lions has eight week, 12 week, 16 week and yearly programs at affordable prices. Also, if you have enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a ratings on iTunes because we'll go up in the subject of running. Until next time, I've been your host, Brian Lyons. This is the Everyday Lyons podcast, and happy running.